Listos? Ready, ready. Good morning. I'm Drew Saplin. I'm Samantha Bennett. And I'm Francis Roman. And this is How to Texas. Woo! Woo! On the first try. We did it. This is the last episode of our hopefully first season, and not only season. <laughs> um, today, we're talking about production assistants, or PAs. Everybody's been one. Everybody's been one. Yay! Uh, so we interviewed Daniela Campos, who is the first team PA for the show Walker, which I felt was apropos for our last episode of the first season. A very Texan show. We'll figure out who Daniela is. Then we'll talk about PA AD world, because you can't really talk about PAs without talking about ADs. And then what's the point of it all? <laughs> and then why did we do this show? Met Daniela at uh, our sponsor, Aduro. And there's definitely a clip of me saying that every time we say Aduro, they give us more money. So if you want to put a little cha-ching sound every time I say Aduro, um, <laughs> thank you, Aduro, for uh, giving us uh, the time and space. Uh, so I met her up there because they have a little sound booth that you can use. I've never ever seen this place before. This is awesome. I didn't know this existed. Yeah, it's a pretty great little spot. They're also one of our sponsors, so the more you talk about it, uh, Adoro, the, I love you. the more they pay us. True, let's collect ourselves. Give us 30 <laughs> seconds of silence. <laughs> room tone. Oh, I think room tone. Let's room, room tone. Okay. She is a delight. She would fit in with our little group uh, very well. And you'll hear in the recording, it's as though I'm just talking to you guys. Aww, we immediately chemistry. know each other yeah. very well. Okay. Interview officially starts. You're on the record starting now. Oh okay. Oh, God. <laughs> Who are you? Hi. Good morning. I am Daniela Campos. I am a, a first team PA currently working on CW's Walker. And she's from Portland, Texas. Go fighting Wildcats. Where's so. Portland, Texas? No one knows about Portland, Texas. Every time I say, hey, I'm from Portland, they're like, oh, Orkin or Maine. I'm like, no, I'm Texas native. If you ask her where she's from, she says Corpus Christi. Born and raised South Texas. My family was here before Texas was even Texas. She's the daughter of a single mother who grew up as a migrant worker. So I am very proud of who I am, where I came from, and will continue to carry that with me forever, forever, forever. Went to... A&M Corpus Christi for college. They had a, a fairly new but still really good film program. I had always loved film and I always had loved making crappy little videos <laughs> for me and my friends to share. So I always knew I wanted to be in the film industry. Four days after she graduated, she moved to Austin. Took my, my partner Jonathan with me. I was like, let's go. And we like rode off into the sunset. And then four days after we moved, I didn't even unpack the boxes. I had my first gig. Whoa. And she got wow. her first she got her first PA gig from hustling. Just blind, emailing everyone, any name I could find, and you know, probably scaring them, like, how did you find all my information? Google. <laughs> well, this one company was like, sure. Uh, shows up on set the first day, gets re-rated, gets a bump. I literally had never stepped onto a professional set before, but I just rolled with the punches and ended up <laughs> being upgraded to a hand model. <laughs> this is your first time on set. <laughs> My first first day. <laughs> they were like, we need a hand model. They were like, let me see your hands. And they were like, perfect, give her a manicure. And I was like, yes, please. And so she got a free manicure <laughs> and a $200 bump for uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> being in a commercial. Show us your hands. Show us your hands. <laughs> Sweet deal. Yeah. Goes and does her first sit down set. Does a year of like set PA work. From there, I worked on a Wendy's commercial. The Wendy's commercial that changed her life. 
Uh, <laughs> Wendy's, you can also sponsor. You us. could also sponsor us. We'll take as many Frosties as I can handle. She met Will Rimmer, and I love Will. Uh, everybody loves Will. Who's Will Rimmer? Uh, Will Rimmer is a first AD in town who I came up with. We were both PAs together back in the day. He's if you're going to hire a first AD to do really good work for you, hire Will Rimmer. This message not brought to you by Will Rimmer. We just all love him very much. <laughs> he paid us twenty dollars. Yeah, he paid us twenty dollars. And so he asked me to interview uh, for first team PA for a different show. She interviewed for the first team PA for Panic, which is a young adult show based on a young adult book. And I got it, and I had no idea what first team was. What is a first team PA? First team PA is essentially a PA whose job revolves around first team, aka the actor. Basically, the, her first gig is going to probably be the hardest gig she'll ever have. Uh, it was my first long project. Up until then, I had only worked commercials, which are maybe at most four days, if that. I was literally thrown to the wolves. She was in charge of 15 actors. All of them ranging from ages 19 to 27. So they're basically adult children. Yeah, rowdy kids. They were so rowdy, but they were amazing. They were so much fun. And it was just really challenging because... I had no idea what I was doing. Did panic as the first team PA, went to Walker with a similar team, was on Walker as the first team PA, and then did a pretty great job on Walker. So now she is Jared Padalecki's personal first team PA because he's also an executive producer. So the lead guy, Mr. Walker. Very cool. She's his personal first team PA. And so she comes on to set what he does and she makes sure he's where he needs to be and has all of his stuff. That kind of segues us into part two, how to be a PA. Or what do they do? And then just also the AD world. The hardest part about this interview was getting this interview because PAs notoriously do not like to be known as PAs outside of work. It was difficult to find a PA who would go on record and be like, I'm a PA and I have things to say. Why is that? I think there's a, a stigma. It's almost like a secret. When you're a PA, you're, you're the bottom tier. And you got your dues to pay and um, you're up and coming. So a lot of people are almost afraid of saying anything. Everything, especially in, in Texas and Austin specifically, because it's so small, everything is word of mouth. Everyone knows everyone. And so your reputation is dire. So I think a lot of people are hesitant to say things and talk about the industry because they don't want to, they don't want to lose all the hard work. <laughs> sure. Do you, f- do you feel like that's a valid concern? Oh, for sure. And so Danielle is on a track to become an AD. So she was comfortable saying that she was a PA because she's in process. That's the path towards AD. Correct. Which means that any PA that you work with could one day be your boss. There have been many times that uh, I've had PAs be like, hey, do you want to come do this gig? And be like, oh, man, you're a producer now. I feel ancient. So always be (laughs) kind and respectful, which is just general rule for life, but especially on set. I'm really lucky. And why I ultimately decided to do this is because I work with such great understanding and genuine people. She shouts out every AD that she likes. Okay, like, good. I'm going to list every single one. And so it's like, <laughs> in my notes, I have Sam play the shout outs now. We got Phil Hardage, Vince Palmo, Will Rimmer, Adam Kenitzer. I'm going to do Adam again. Sure. I messed up his name and he doesn't deserve that. We got Adam Kenitzer, Tom Finolio, Barrett Farmer, Ryan Farmer, no relation. 
if these ADs call me up and say, hey, Daniela, I need you. And I'd be like, I'm there. Where do you need me? You only named dudes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've worked with a couple of female ADs, but you don't find that often here in Austin, Texas, unfortunately. We've been saying AD a lot. What is an AD? I'll let Daniela tell it. Daniela? Uh, Assistant director. They are the captain. They are at the helm steering the ship. The assistant director is in charge of logistics and planning on a set. So the departments break down as such. First AD, second AD, and then what would be next? Second, second AD. Yeah, exactly. Third (laughs) AD. No, for some reason it's called a second second in America. In everywhere else in the world, like a good metric system, it's third AD. You're a third. First AD's on set. They're in charge of logistics and planning and making sure the day goes smoothly. The way I like to think of it is like the first AD is leading all these people down the road and the second AD is like pushing any obstacles out of the way. So the second AD is back at base camp, making sure that actors are getting ready and planning for the next day. Second second is on set with the first AD, uh, solving smaller problems or basically supporting the first AD. Because again, the first AD has so many things going on in their mind and the second second AD just helps facilitate that. And um, we as PAs help the second second help the first AD. I know on the call sheet, PAs are ranked. There's like two worlds, I guess. There's the old AD world and the new AD world. What's the new? Wait. And I was like, what? She's like, oh yeah, there's old AD and new AD. The new way of doing You're out things. of the loop. Wait, yeah. are you old AD? I'm not old AD. I'm almost old AD though. Because oh, I was like, she was like yeah, she was like back in the day. And I was like, when was back in the day? 2012? And she was like, no, 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 no. Basically like 2015. Yeah, it was 2015. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The basically pre-cell phone PAs that are now ADs have a different style of doing things. The old AD way is that on the call sheet, if you look on the back of the call sheet, everybody's broken down in terms of rank. It's like if the president got shot, who would like take over for the president? Mm-hmm. The <laughs> vice president. The second, second, second vice president. So if uh, there was just like a horrible bout of food poisoning, who's going to run the show? Yeah, like if, there, if like everybody like tapped out, if you were on Titanic and everybody took the PCP lobster bisque, um, <laughs> you know about this, right? No. Oh, on the set of Titanic, I have so many Titanic stories and we don't have to Why? get into it. Because I've, the ADs who trained me were all for some reason, on the set of Titanic as PAs. In, um, here in Texas? No, it was all in Mexico. And are now oh. our heroes because I love Titanic. That's um, a defining movie of my childhood. <laughs> Double VHS, baby. Oh, same. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but on the set of Titanic, somebody put PCP in their <gasps> lunch one day and like dosed everyone to the max. It's like the movie Climax. I think they all went to the hospital. Like Bill Paxton had to go get his stomach pumped or some <gasps> shit like that. Like, wow. Yeah. And the old, they killed the old lady. I don't, they didn't kill the old lady. Uh, <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> uh, rest in peace, that old lady. Um, going back to it. What are we doing? If I was going with the old AD world, you go key set PA. Essentially the PA who delegates all other PAs. King of the PAs. King of the PAs. Then you have... First team PA, uh, right below that. And then from there you have background PA... Basically, first team, but for background. And then from there, it's the walkie PA, which is keeping track of all of our walkie-talkies. And you would be so surprised how little regard people have for their walkies. (laughs) So I feel for our walkie PA. And that's the old hierarchy. Would that determine pay? It doesn't determine pay. It just determines, like, clout or status. But the new one is everyone's equal. Sure. We all have our roles, and we're all just as important. Yeah. So there's not so much a hierarchy anymore. So we've all been PAs in some form or fashion. Wh- why were you guys PAs? 
because I didn't go to film school and I didn't really know anybody. So I was trying to break into the business and trying to learn. I didn't really know what I wanted to do yet aside from making stuff because Berkeley's not a film school. It, they have film studies. I didn't know how I fit into the crew until I found script supervising. Fran? I had just graduated film school and I had been like an intern at a development office. And I was like, I want to be on set. Basically just wanted to see what it was like and what I could do. I feel like there's two kinds of PAs. There's PAs who get into it because they want to be in the entertainment industry. Yeah. And there's PAs who get into it and they know about the book and they're fighting for the book and you're a book PA. Yeah. Do you know about the book? No. Do you know about the book? I don't think so. Are you guys bullshitting me right now? Do y'all know about the book? What do you I mean? I mean, I kind of know if, about the book. If you know about the book, you know about the book. I don't know about the book. Okay. So, the book. I didn't actually know about the book until like halfway through Panic and someone casually mentioned it. And I was like, what the hell is the book? Explain the book. It's a collection of your days. If you're going to be an AD, you have to log... All the call sheets that you have and all the pay stubs that you have. Don't just toss those. Um, They're not just for tax reasons. And then also, if you work full-time on a a pretty big show or movie or whatever project, uh, they have a crew list, and you include those as well. You send them off to the DGA to be approved. What's the DGA? The DGA is the Directors Guild of America. Would you like to guess how many PA days you need to become a second-second assistant director under the Directors Guild of America? 500. 600. (laughs) <laughs> they say in the PA, when you first start off, you're paying your dues, which is meaning you do a lot of discounted slash free slash hard work. And then you quite literally pay your dues, which is like, I don't know, like 7000 or like 11000 or something. I can't even imagine. You, you turn in your book and $7,000-ish. You, you have to that. pay? Mm-hmm. You have to literally pay your dues. With PA money? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to, yeah, take out a small business loan. Jesus Christ. Uh and then they're like, cool. Now do, in order to be like full status or there's different regions you can work, you need to log another 400 days on commercial TV as an AD. So a thousand days. You heard it here, folks. A thousand working what is that? days. It's like four consecutive years of work. Oh my Lord. So once you have that, I mean, you are in the guild, you are union, you have insurance, you have a set rate, so they can't pay you any lower than this certain amount of rate. And then, oh God, there's so much research I still need to do about the book. That's if you get accepted, because sometimes they do deny you. And I asked Daniela if it was fair, and she was like... Yes and no, because the more well-rounded you are as a PA, the more well-rounded you'll be as an AD. To see so many sides of production and see how it all works and be able to not only delegate, but know how it functions. A good AD should be one of the smartest people, if not the smartest person on set. They need to know how each department works and functions. Inherently. And how they work well, what they need, how long it takes for something to be done, how long you need to wait for something. What better way to do that than log 1,000 days of your life on set in different capacities under different circumstances? It's your school. And if you do indie independent productions as a first AD, you don't need 600. You need like 130 as a first AD on large-scale productions if they accept it. So like, so you can kind of s- skip? You can skip or you can mix and match. But like, Fran, a couple of the movies that we did don't count. Why, why is that? Just because they don't. Who says that's unfair? That is unfair to me. The DGA depends on who was in it. Depends on how big the budget was. But you're still working the hours and doing everything that you need to do. Correct. 
doesn't that, count. That's so there's like give and take. So like if you're going to be an independent first AD on independent features, some of those might not count. But if you're going to be a PA on a big show, most of those will count. So it's just like, are you going to take the risk and get try to go lower days? You're going to try to like so it's mm. a lot of moving parts. And then you also have to factor in like I need to eat and live. Correct. So I need to get paid. Correct. The essentials. We'll be right back with How to Texas after the break. How to Texas is brought to you by APM Music. APM Music offers limitless potential for your creative content, no matter the genre or mood. All the music you need is on one platform. Not all music is created equal. With an unrivaled library, APM offers easy access to top quality music, artists, and composers, ensuring your project looks as good as it sounds. APM's website uses best-in-class music search technology, so finding the perfect track is easier than ever. Send a search request, soundtrack your film, trailer, podcast, game, and more by finding your sound at apmmusic.com. How to Texas is also brought to you by Aduro. Aduro is Austin's one-stop shop for lighting and stage. The film equipment rental house serves the greater central Texas area as well as Houston and Dallas. They provide a la carte rentals and multiple packages for productions big and small. Need a three-ton truck? Maybe a trailer? How about grips and gaffers? Call Aduro. They even have a pre-lit stage with a second stage coming soon. Locally owned for over 10 years, Aduro's got your back. Visit adurofilm.com to find out more. Okay, so I'm a PA on my first day, and I've been handed a walkie-talkie. What's the <laughs> first thing I do after I turn it on? Well, uh, depending on how large the set is, you need what is called a surveillance, which is basically an earpiece. Right away, things are happening. The AD saying, All right, we're in. Let's start setting up. Where's the actors? We're going to rehearse. Our base camp saying, Hey, actors, need 15 more minutes. You are talked to by the first AD, by the second second AD, by sometimes the key set PA who's saying, Hey, this is your lockup, which is a lockup is essentially where... You're literally going to lock up the set, and you're going to make sure that no one's talking, no one's walking through the shot. You know, you go deaf in one ear. Mm-hmm. Everyone's screaming and talking, and um, you have phantom voices in your head after a while. <laughs> so it's like a lot of people who need to know the know. Like, they need to be in the know about what's going on. Uh, production is on Channel 1. So for the layman... On these walkie-talkies, there are several different channels. And some channels are appointed to specific departments, but channel one is the main channel. And I don't even say it's productions. I say it's the AD's channel. Which is, again, a very PAAD thing to say. That is where the line of communication is from. You know, they're not screaming out saying, hey, we're doing this next. They go on channel one and say, okay, we're moving in for coverage. Uh, This is going to be close on so-and-so. And, hey, we need sound to come in. Hey, we need hair and makeup. And that's where the main communication comes from. And then so if you have any information that you don't want to clog up the line or it's secretive, you take it to channel two. If you have something to say that is over, I don't know, five words, take it to channel two. (laughs) Uh, You don't, you don't clog up the line because if the 80s trying to get information out, and they can't because the air is busy, they get very, very angry. Two's also the channel that you get in trouble on, <laughs> right? Two is... Like, if someone wants to yell at you from far away. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Two is my favorite channel. 
<laughs> it's it's no secret that when you go to two, pretty much everyone goes to two. Why? Because it's a good way of finding out information that some people don't want you to know. A lot of the times, a lot of people go to channel two to see what's up. <laughs> it's a secret, not so secret channel. And then four is also another open line. If I say, hey, Drew, go to two. Switching. Gotta let them know you're switching. If you take it to two and you hear people talking, immediately go to four, which is a really good thing to know. And not a lot of PAs nowadays do it because then it just starts getting really weird when you go back to one. You're like, hey, two is busy. Let's try this. It's like, just go to four. <laughs> just go to four. Just go to four. Uh, and the secret I tell her in the interview, uh, we did a lot on a movie that I did. And I learned it from, I learned it from another AD. Something was absolutely terrible and I couldn't get something done. You say, your mother called, and you just go all the way to 16, and then you have whatever terrible conversation you're going to have, and you go back to one. Your mother called? Hey, Samantha, your mother called. Oh, copy. Switch to 16. (laughs) It's code. For secrets. Oh, I did not know this code, and I like it. Well, now everyone's going to know. That's okay. Thank you, listeners, for learning. Yeah. (laughs) So, just the basic walkie lingo is copy. Anytime your AD says something, or anyone, really, it's always nice to copy and so you're acknowledging that hey i hear you and can do it yeah oh for sure yeah it's not if you can't if you can't do it don't copy the first season of walker our second second ad was very big of don't copy if you are not doing it which is what some of our pas are guilty of me included (laughs) i'm not singling out anyone because we're all guilty of this you copy because you know you want them to know you're listening and that they're heard but then we'd have like four people copy and then no one does it. And then the AD's like, what the hell's going on? I thought this was happening. Who copied? <laughs> and then we all like look at each other and like, oh, shit, you did it. Like, no, you did it. You were supposed to do it. So don't copy if you can't do it. Always say copy. Never say anything else other than copy. If you're a PA and you say Roger, gross. Roger? Uh, no, we don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Uh, also, having been former PA and being on set, I say copy for everything. Yeah. Emails, yes. Slack, texts, mm-hmm. everything. Also, and so the, do you two. The thing about copy is you can't say it passive aggressively. You can say okay passive aggressively. I think copy is also very disarming. Like, it's like, oh, thanks. It's just being like, thanks for telling me. Well, the last thing on walkie etiquette, because everybody has to know where you are all the time. Oh, what's your 20? Um, if I'm looking for someone, I'll be like, Hey, Marissa, what's your 20? What's your 20? It's like, what's your location? Where are you at? <laughs> Where are you at, girl? What's your 20? But then also when you have to go potty. Ooh, 10-1. Yeah. And as 10-2 a thing. Um, <laughs> I don't like announcing it on channel one. Uh, no one needs to know my business. So usually I'll tell someone, like, I'll tell the key set. I'll be like, hey, Thor, go to two. And he's like, switching. Hey, just letting you know I'm going 10-1. And he's like, copy that, thanks. Back to one. It's like essentially saying, I hear you, but I'm not going to respond because I'm going to the restroom. I've never told anyone, hey, I'm going 10-2, which is, I got a bowel movement, but um, (laughs) that was the nicest way I could say that. 10-2 is not a thing, okay? (laughs) Thank you for covering that because people totally try to get you. When your first day as a PA, everyone will try to get you that way. They'll be like, 10-2 means you got to go numero dos. That's a lie. It's a joke. It's a joke or I'm going to be a minute. I did not know this my first time as a PA, and I definitely said that an actor was going to tend to. Yeah. <laughs> like that they were going to be a while. Yeah. Because they said, I'll be a second, and I was like, tend to. And then I learned. How to be a great PA. You need to kind of be everything for everybody all at once. It's a very big job if you're good, if you want to be good at it.
It is not for the faint of heart. You'd be surprised because it seems like it'd be easy. It's like, oh yeah, you should get to hang out with all the actors and they're so cool. No, they run away from you. They constantly go to crafty. They're going to the restroom. They're stalking off, FaceTiming their friends and their families and loved ones. And that's great. But then when the AAD is like, all right, we're ready. And you have no idea where they are. You're, uh, you're screwed. So, <laughs> so I think it's honestly just staying on top of your, your shit and communication, communication, communication. You cannot communicate enough. <laughs> I ch- uh, we changed venues when I was trying to schedule the interview and I changed it at 930 at night and she immediately at 930, like I finished editing, she accepted it. And anytime I would text her, it was immediately just like, Hey, this is what it is. Talk to me about, is that good? Is that bad? How do you feel about being on top of your stuff all yeah. the time? Is it stressful? Do you have anxiety? No. Oh, well, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think it's definitely development. I don't consider myself a type A person. Um, I'm very, like, I like to make plans, but I'm also go with the flow on most things. But starting off they really hammered into your head that you need to be quick on the draw you need to be listening 100% of the time even if you're doing other like a million other things and you are doing a million other things so I wouldn't say it's a bad thing she has this really great way of looking at it from an empathetic place I think a lot of people want the validation that they're being heard and that they're being listened to and acknowledged and when your brain's connected to a walkie-talkie you don't know if you're being heard or listened to. And so saying things like copy or being able to see something happen as an AD, then you know I'm being heard and listened to. And it's how to facilitate people feeling heard and listened to. So I think advice that not necessarily I would give myself, but others that are coming in is uh, stay humble. (laughs) Stay really humble. A lot of the times we see film students thinking that two weeks in they're going to be running the show and that just it's not realistic not to crush your dreams you'll get there there was this one time i was working at a pizza shop and this chef from chef school came in and they said i'm very i'm a very good chef i would i would be able to open and close this place every day of the week and they're like cool thank you so much for interviewing and they left and i asked my boss like oh they're really good are we gonna hire them they said no we never hire people from chef school chef school (laughs) and i was like why because they're arrogant and they're not that good and I was like, that'll never be me. And then I got out of film school and was that chef. I was the chef like, <laughs> I'm going to run this town. I'm going to be the best. Like, we should do things my way. I'm good. And that's why I, that's why I was an AD because uh, I, was, like? I was a terrible PA. I was a terrible PA because I was like Mr. Bossy Britches. One of the biggest requirements of doing this job and how I've gotten so far so quickly is because I – have a good attitude and having the right attitude is so important you need to be personable you need to be able to communicate correctly and efficiently you need to be able to even though it's the worst day like if it's rainy it's cold everyone's miserable you need to have a smile on your face and a can-do attitude because if you have a bad attitude if you talk back if you're not wanting to work or you think you're better than people you're going to make a lot of enemies really quickly. (laughs) So stay humble. (laughs) A lot of it is about being personable, which comes back to the market and how big Austin is and how big Texas is. It's like a double-edged sword. What's so great and bad about Austin is that it's, it's small. So it's such a tight knit community. And that's great because you make friends a lot faster. You move up a lot faster 
Uh, you can also fall a lot faster. <laughs> it's all about reputation. It's all about reputation. Whereas bigger markets, you can kind of hide. You can do a shitty job and then sneak in and out as needed. Kind of fly under the radar a bit. Correct. I must have been a great PA then. You were because a good PA. I was so passive. <laughs> you were a good PA. I recall. I recall. Also, well, I was going to say, uh, you and I met on set. Yes. On we were PAs on a commercial. You said the reason that you thought I was an okay person was because I picked up dog poop when asked. We were both tasked with picking up dog poop that had accumulated in a person's front yard. You didn't complain. And now we're friends. And now we're friends. <laughs> there were other people on that set that wouldn't have done that and would have thrown a fit. And then you and I met on... The Big Spoon. Basically, I had to move with um, some water bottles and you were like, can you lift that? And I was like, yes. And then I was like, wait, do you not like me? The other PAs were dudes, and they were, I think, like... They were big, hunky dudes. Yeah, and I'm kind of like a smaller person with a particular type of voice. I don't remember this at all, but I guarantee you the first day I was like, you, go lift that heavy thing. And just being like, are you going to do it? Are you going to complain about it? Or are you going to make one of the boys do it? I was like, (laughs) I got this, and I was the best one. Sorry, Zach and Anthony. What would you change about being a PA? You mentioned the patriarchy earlier. Uh, you, <laughs> not to put words in your mouth, yeah, but that's patriarchy. Okay, but what about the, talk to me about, what is the, yeah. That is really challenging. and um, It doesn't have to be about the patriarchy, but what would you change? No, no, I mean, it, it, must, it most definitely is one of those factors. It's, again, I love my job, um, and I think it's a great, welcoming, cool environment, but... Let's say out of the 180 crew members that are on set at a given time or like 120 or so, whatever, maybe a quarter of them, if that, are women. And even less than that are women of color. And I am a, I'm a very proud Hispanic woman. Besides me, there's only one other Hispanic woman on set. And um, not that I don't love the other women on set, but they are all, they're all white, you know? And we have one additional a black female PA. I mean, it's, it has to deal with a lot of the patriarchy and, and the sense that this is a very man-driven industry, which is, again, it's changing, and it's not so much necessarily a bad thing. It, it's getting better. You know, half of our camera department is women. Nearly our entire hair and makeup and costume department are women, and they're strong, and they're awesome, and they're good at what they do. And even in the AD department, we got a lot of, out of the five full-time staff PAs, there's three of us that are women. It's getting better, but there's not enough people of color, and which is a shame because I think there's a, a lot that we have to offer and there's a lot that we can accomplish and do and, and our stories uh, are, are different from people who are, from men and from white men. No offense, Drew. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that's one of the things that I would change. And not even just like the superficial change, you know what I mean? Where they're so like, oh yeah, we're women, mostly women crew. It's like, yeah, but what are your producers? Like, well, who, who are your directors? Like, who, who's really in charge of the money? Because most of the time, it's still white men, even if it's like a, a female grip or a, a female DP. Or, you know, there's still a lot of men. So it's, it's rare that you have a project that is funded by women for women, um, especially women of color. Because even then on those projects that are like, oh, yeah, we have for a, a women-led set. It's like, yeah, how many of you are Hispanic or how many of you are Asian? It's very rare that we have people of color. And that's a shame. And I think that's something that I would, I would definitely change and try to bring more people in. How do we change that? I think it's the way we carry ourselves as an industry. 
I was never told I could do film. I kind of pushed my way through. In high school, there was another guy, a white guy, who was, I would say, middle to upper class. And again, I came from a single parent household, so I didn't have the privileges and luxuries that he did. And he and I got into the film industry at the same time. They all told him that he could do it. It's like, yeah, totally. You could move over here and do that. And like, L.A., we always have a spot for you. And and for me, it was just kind of like, oh, you want to do film? That's cute. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. Good luck. And so she's very proud of what she's accomplished. And she's very excited to see where she just seemed very proud of where she is and what she's done and who she is. The thing that I was shocked by, because I was like, how long have you been doing this? She's like, three years. I was like, how far are you into your book? After this season, I'll be halfway through. <laughs> Unheard of in the Texas market. She's be been working. Unheard of. <laughs> Unheard of. Thank you. I appreciate it. She's been working for the last three years. If you're already 300 days into your book in Texas, people who've been in three years in LA are halfway through their book. Throw in COVID when right. everything shut down for a few months. Girl making moves. Um, she books. Pivoting to why are PAs important? Uh, PAs are important because we make production flow. We're making it happen. We don't always get the recognition that we deserve, which is a shame. I, Even though I'm not in a position of, of authority or power, I always try to listen and support the other PAs. You know, if I see that they're having a hard time or they got chewed out by someone, I'm like, hey, you're doing a great job. You know, I'm here. And I think it's important not only that we do that for each other, uh, but the ADs and all the other crew members do that for the PAs, which which most of them nowadays are really good at. In general, there are a few that are not like that. Why do you think that is? I don't know. We're just bottom tier. We're, we're the bottom feeders. <laughs> or do you think it's... <laughs> I think it's just like, you know, when you've been in the business for 20 years and you got some kid coming up telling you to be quiet, you're like, I don't have to listen to you. And it's like, hey, man. I'm just doing my job the same way that you're trying to do yours. If you have a problem, you can talk to my AD. Go to therapy. (laughs) Go to therapy. Get a hug. You know, a lot of people, they need to realize that PAs are are vital. The best part of all of these interviews we've done, we have how everybody has responded to how PAs are on set. And I think this is a really powerful moment in the episode where we can go through and revisit. I treat PAs with a lot of respect because today's PA is tomorrow's production manager. And many of them I've seen move up in the ranks and hire me for jobs once they get to a certain level in their careers. Nothing but respect for them. I love PAs. We'll need something. A hot brick for my walkie. Or can you get this person? I need need this person right now. Help me, help me get that person over here. So yeah, PAs are so important. They're hardworking and probably don't make much. I probably shouldn't say this, but because we all know they work the hardest and you know, it's not like they're millionaires. I always tell the PAs, if you see a camera crew in your neighborhood, get your lawnmower out. Start mowing because you'll make some money, easy, fast money. And when they come at you with $50, that's not enough. That's just (laughs) work it. (laughs) I count on PAs. And there's a lot of times when you're looking at them and say, you're not going to let anybody come through this door because we're rehearsing right here. You look them in the eyes and they know you're serious and you hear them, you can't go through there. And holding their ground, that's my people. You know, you want to honor that because they're doing it for a reason and they're their help and they're part of the team. PAs are like the extension of the first AD. They keep the word out on what we're doing, what we're shooting. 
the first thing I do is find the first team PA, hey, where are these chairs going? Mm -hmm. They are the ambassadors of information, and they're the ones that really keep the train moving in a sense. Having good PAs like really makes a difference. PAs are very much appreciated, even if they feel like they're not. Um, and I know there are times for sure that they don't. But the more you can have, the better, and the more experience they get, the better. Because then, then they become good ADs. And when you have a good AD, everything is just going to be better for everybody. Shout out to all the PAs out there and all the future PAs. Uh, that covers all of parts one and two. Part three is what's the point of it all is all I left in my notes at 1130 at night last night. Um, <laughs> so I was like, why do you do this? Is it worth it? It's <laughs> That's a loaded question because you as a singular person know what's worth it to you and not. I think it's worth it in the hopes and the ambitions that I have of one day becoming an AD and, and becoming a writer and like moving on up. It's worth it to me, all the, all the struggle. I try really hard not to get overwhelmed by the really, really hard days. And, and even though there's a lot of really good days, there are some really bad or sometimes sucky or frustrating days. You have to take those moments, those little moments of like gratifying fun that remind you why you're doing it. So whether that is like an interaction with, a, a, with an actor, an actress, or a, a crew member that you don't really talk to often, those little moments of like camaraderie. Like if I met this person on the street, I wouldn't talk to them normally because, you know, this is a, this is a 60-year-old woman over here. Like who do I have in common with this 60-year-old woman? And she tells a sex joke or something. Like it's awesome. And so, <laughs> but I was thinking about this. We wouldn't be friends if it weren't for being on set with each other. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'd never run into each other. We'd never run into each other. There's no reason that our very different lives and livelihoods would ever cross paths had it not been for being on set. And also, because of the, the idea of being in the trenches or the challenges that are presented, like we're bound by fire at this point where it's just like, I know what both of you look like on a bad day. Like, oh, real bad day. Yeah. And y'all know what I look like on a really bad day. That's not normal in friendships, I don't think, unless it's a very, like, decades-long friendship. The friendship tract is accelerated when you're on set. It's like summer camp and boot camp and... You're bonding over shared trauma. Yeah. And maybe, yeah, and I, you know, maybe and not shared inside, trauma, but just like... Sometimes. A shared experience. Shared experience. Shared, highly challenging experience um, that you both make it through, and you have great memories to share later. And there's this moment of, like... Catching a fly ball in baseball where it's like you can feel the sting in your glove and it's like, I did it. And as a PA, there's these moments, I think we've all shared these, where it's like, I did it. Oh, my favorite moments. It gives me chills just thinking about it right now when it's like the AD asks for something to happen. I'm like, it's already there, bud. (laughs) Already did it. I remember one project. It was a very low-budget music video. For a friend that blew up, and it was one of her first times she got to... blew up? We like, blew up. (laughs) He's very well known. And I had the opportunity to assist and direct it. So that was like my first time, first ADing, and I just like felt on top of the world. (laughs) You know what I mean? This was so low-budget. This was like, you know, no one heard of Nane yet. Um... It was just like those moments of like, oh yeah, this is what I'm working for. Like this is what I'm I'm gonna do and what I'm I'm gonna work for. And like getting a taste of it, it's like, oh, I want more. That would have been really disappointing if she was. Right. I hate this. Um, and that's the other thing about ading, and it might happen with script supervising and producing as well. 
there's like there's this weird like zen chi that I'm gonna get real well, hippy has, has Fran have you ever had a moment like that yeah where, yes oh yeah but I would also say it goes back to the you don't remember what was said or what was done but you remember how it made you feel being on set and getting the win makes you feel great and you get to share it with your friends that you're making movie magic with so it's very exciting <laughs> yeah it's what when people talk about movie magic when you say the words movie magic I always think of like a Disney branded thing but there is a real feeling that is movie magic that cannot be expressed unless you've experienced it and it's the, whatever that is what we're talking about right now <laughs> it's like a really good cheesecake you just can't stop at one bite <laughs> so Part four, as I have 4% on my battery left. Why are we doing this show? Just charge it. I'm not going to charge it. It'll be fine. This is a small paragraph. It's a little. Read it. Hurry. (laughs) We're doing this show because we're friends, and we made more friends along the way. During this process, nobody really told us that they didn't want to be interviewed. For most of the asks that we had, we were pretty much one and done. Hey, Bobby, do you want to be on a show? She was like, yeah, I'll do your show. I don't know what this is. She had no context. <laughs> she took a chance on she us. She took a chance on us. And had she not, I feel like we wouldn't have been successful in booking our other interviews because it's like, well, Bobby did it. And Bobby's been She's in the industry. She's got clout. For, she's got tons of clout. And so. Thank you, Bobby. Shout out Bobby Colorado. The film industry at large is a very friendly place. And we're all doing it for the same reasons. The reason we made this show was because it was like the pan- it was like right when the pandemic was closing up shop. We pitched this show to Hyperreal. In my mind, it was us weaseling our way back into set because being on set is a big adventure and we're adventurers at heart. I feel like the three of us have an adventurous spirit. And so... And we've all been out of set for some time. Some time, yeah. And this was like, how do we weasel our way? I keep saying the word weasel. How do we weasel our way back onto set? And this was it. It was like, we don't have to be on set, but we get to be near set. We get to talk to people that we know and love from set and it'll feel like we're kind of there. Uh, Here's my little... Here's poetry, Ready? Being on set and being with friends and the deal with PAs that you learn really early is that it's not about the fun times. It's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Did it die? No. Oh. He's getting emotional. Oh, Drew. Can I have a minute? Yeah. Do you want a donut? No, I'm good. I think I can do it. So I, I have a lot of feelings about being on set, and I love it. Being on set and being with friends and the deal with PAs that you learn really early is that it's not about the fun times. It's about being knee-deep in mud and laughing about what a grand adventure this all is and the insane bonds that you make along the way. In making this show, everyone in the community has been so supportive and responsive, and as we grow, I just hope we're able to reflect and elevate. Reflect and elevate. Hope to see y'all soon. This has been How to Texas. Okay, ready? Ready, ready. How to Texas was created by Samantha Bennett, Francis Roman, and Drew Saplin. It is a production of The Direct Line. Today's episode was produced by Drew Saplin. It was edited and mixed and sound designed by Samantha Bennett. And the music in this episode was provided by APM Music. We want to give an extra special thank you to Daniela Campos, Aduro, and Rich Hamilton for the use of their space. And the great folks at Hyperreal Film Club for sharing their sound waves with us. And of course, you, the listener. Find us online and say hi. We're on Instagram at howtotexas underscore podcast. We're also on Twitter at texashowto. Or you can send us an email at thedirectlinellc at gmail.com. And be sure to say hello to Hyperreal Film on Instagram at Hyperreal Film Club or visit their website at hyperrealfilm.club. 
This is How to Texas. Sam and Drew meet, did that. Fran and Drew meet, did that. Uh, Sam, Fran, and Drew are friends. That's in my notes. <laughs> it says it right here. Uh, 